Captain's log, start date 692.868.3. I am uh, sailing alone here on the Enterprise. Uh, Will has been lost in the rainstorm. Was something we should do, but I just don't know what it is yet. Program complete. Enter when ready. Crappy episode last time. Yeah. What a garbage heap. <laughs> just, just a slog to get through. Oh, so stupid. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if I actually felt that way? <laughs> it would be, honestly, if you were like, yeah. So this one was the worst of the bunch and it sucked. Is everything going to be this bad, or? That would make me secret invasion a thousand more times. A thousand more times. Followed <laughs> <laughs> oh, by Attack of the Clones, and <laughs> then the Last Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me sick to my stomach. I didn't like any of the other movies in between. I just watched those two. It was my favorites. <laughs> Risk. Risk is our business. That'll work. What happened? was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Six. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it. At least I won't die alone. Join our Federation of Planets. And reach for the stars. Those were the days. So, welcome back to another Retrek review, where we talk about Star Trek Weekly, and this week we're talking about the season one finale of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, the episode entitled Equality of Mercy. It first aired July 7th, 2022. It was written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman. And it was directed by Chris Fisher. The synopsis for Quality of Mercy is just as Captain Pike thinks he's figured out how to escape his fate, he's visited by his future self who shows him the consequences of his actions. So before we get into the teaser, let's jump on over to Caleb and ask him what he thought of the episode overall. Yeah. So, I've learned my lesson. We talked about it before. Don't watch previously on and don't watch next time on. Especially on a streaming show. No. Um, yeah. So, no, I didn't. I skipped it. And... It's one of those things where 
in the beginning of when we first started this, it was very heavily about like, Pike's future. Yeah. And then it kind of got away from that. It kind of became more episodic here and there. Yeah. And so I kind of was under the assumption that the finale would be more based on like Pike. And um, yeah, I was very like happy to see that it was like very heavily based on like Pike's future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. It seems like they're not like leaning away from that being like his ultimate demise, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, I really like I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Like I would like I would rewatch this episode today just to see if yeah. I can pick up any more like um hidden details and that kind of stuff. So I don't I'm not gonna like I want you to be a little surprised, so I'm not gonna say too much. Yeah, but um this is like a like a triple layered episode yeah and i can't really get into it too much because i want you to have a fresh a fresh uh experience with going forward but um okay it's definitely the strongest episode of the season yeah and um yeah it's it's really really good like I remember when I watched this last year and it was happening, I was just like, excuse me, like this definitely yeah. does not deserve to be this good for what the show yeah. is. Like, I like the show, but it was this episode that was that I was like, oh, okay, I'm a fan of the show. And I, whatever happens going forward, like, I'm they, fine. It feels like it. they kind of like know what they're doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't, um, you know, I don't know like a ton of stuff from the original series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when Pike shows up in the beginning in that red like admiral like <laughs> yeah. suit, like I knew like mm-hmm. that's like um I knew that's like from the movies, right? Isn't that like yeah, from the movies? Yeah. Like Kirk is yeah. when he's like an not is it an admiral suit or is it like an yeah. office like yeah. Um, so like it it's it's a future um it's like a, it's like it's a it's a for the movies specifically i think two i think two star trek two going forward that's yeah. like the new uniform so just like oh, enterprise okay. had you know like the jumpers and now they have yeah, like yeah. these plain kind of bright colored shirts like suddenly the next uniform shift is what he's wearing in the episode yeah. the future pike i really like that uniform like it's pretty it's pretty cool i tell you they did what they did with his yellow shirt with having like the insignias on his shoulder and it's like a, a darker um yeah like in normal strange new worlds like how his suit is like kirk's from the 60s but right, like also right. modern yeah it's the exact same thing with the red shirt the red yeah. like puffy collar shirt it's like more I recognize the red yeah the old style like red suit with like the collar and the, the sash and everything yeah it's super cool yeah. It's super cool, it, and it looks great. And like his like gray hair, yeah, yeah. We talked before how everybody loves his hair. <laughs> Wish yeah. I could do that with my hair. I gotta try to get the pike, the pike look. <laughs> but yeah, super good all the way around. Uh, I love like all the cameos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I have one. It's funny, like you had a lot of characters on the show, but I have one favorite cameo, and you can probably guess who it is. But we'll get to it when we get to it. 
Okay. It's. Oh, oh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I probably okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty great. I mean, honestly, it was like a nice little detail. So, but yeah, I mean, overall, like the storyline was really cool. You know, like him going into the future, and um, yeah, it's funny. It reminded me a lot of like it had a lot of stuff to do with like the original series, but it reminded me yeah. a lot of like Enterprise, like time travel mm. and Archer going in the future and seeing oh, stuff okay, coming yeah. back and fixing. Yeah. It was like it's really cool. It blends. It really blended a lot of things together for me, and it was like really entertaining. I, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, you're I absolutely right. Very much, very much enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then that's nothing to do but to get into it so we can talk about it. So, here's the teaser. Captain's log, stardate 1457.9. The Enterprise is on the edge of the neutral zone, a narrow band of space separating the Romulan Empire from the Federation a remnant of a treaty of a hundred years when a destructive war was waged between our two cultures. Enterprise and the USS Cayuga are here to help the outposts that guard the neutral zone with much needed retrofitting and supplies. In his quarters aboard the Enterprise, Captain Pike is hard at work over the stove as Captain Marie Battelle enters, noting that they had spaghetti the previous evening. Pike corrects her by saying, he was making pasta mama, saying that by adding eggs and Parmesan cheese, lightly sauteed, one could turn leftovers into something new. Patel compares this idea to what they're doing with the outposts, and Pike considers that not as tasty. Patel has heard rumors that the Romulans are developing new weapons, but Pike dismisses them as boogeymen. No one had ever seen a Romulan or even knew what they looked like. Yet, they got blamed for events along the neutral zone. Some actually their fault, Battelle replies, before commenting that she thinks she missed the beard Pike had worn the last time they met. Pike thinks it belonged to a different era of captain, but Patel had thought that was what he was going for, a man out of time. She asks how he was holding up, and he remembers somebody told him he had better places to be, so he was trying to be there. When she asks how that was working, he simply replies, you tell me. As much as she loved his being mysterious, she had a date on the far side of the neutral zone. When he asks who with, she clarifies it was not that kind of date. He tells her he was making Uso Buko uh, the following week. Patel admits, she always looked forward to what the Chris Patel admits she always looked forward to what the Chris of tomorrow would be, beard or no beard, and asks him to surprise her before leaving to return to her ship. So it's nice that we get to see Patel again, right? Like a callback to her. I, I completely forgot about her, to be honest with you. You're right, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny when I think of now that we're here at the end, like if I rethink of like the first episode, like Pike mm. on the, on his ranch with the like full beard, yeah, doesn't yeah. even look like the same, like, like no. I know now, like it's completely like different. Yeah. So he it's kind honestly of a funny looks like his, 
Yeah, he honestly just looks like his his guy from uh, Hell on Wheels, right? Like the long hair and the beard and everything. It's like he looks nothing right. like. Is that serious? Is that? Yeah, yeah, he's he the, main guy. the main guy. On... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Kaboom. <laughs> Boom. I was never like, I never watched Hell on Wheels like sure. all the time. I just remember like my parents were watching it. And I think, I think McKenna was watching it for a while and it. Looked entertaining. And like I yeah, knew yeah. the main guy. He yeah. was like a really, you know, he seemed like a cool cowboy, but my God, did that just blow my mind? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I didn't watch like all of it. I've only like like you were saying, I've only seen like a couple episodes, but yeah. Because you were talking, <laughs> you were talking a couple weeks ago about something else that he was in, and I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I remember that guy. But it wasn't like a main thing. It was Black Bolt. Yeah, he played Black Bolt. Yes, right. And I was like, oh, cool. But now yeah. that you say Hell on Wheels, it's so much more like, oh, so, yeah. So he has done really good acting before. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Black Bolt like, doesn't oh, really do a whole lot. Yeah. Oh, he speaks more than just one yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny that that was your go-to because of, like, oh, because of our Marvel stuff. But like, yeah, he was Black Bolt. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. that was cool. You're like, yeah, he was the main guy from Hell on Wheels. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Maybe lead with that next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Well, it was also one of those shows that, like, if you didn't watch it, you're like, you, you yeah. didn't know. You don't know, you know it exists. Right. It's an AMC. It was an AMC show. Exactly. Exactly. It was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about, like, how they built the railroads and stuff. Yeah. The rest of my day is just going to be nothing is going to compare to that. You're going to go you're gonna go on YouTube and watch clips of clips of it and yeah. see what he looks like. <laughs> like aliens will land later this afternoon. And I'll just be like, yeah, that's fine. But did you know Chris Pike is the main guy? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you win. You'll do the Mars attacks thing to them and their heads will explode because they, they won't know either. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to say that was really cool was that opening shot of like the asteroid with the thing and the two ships going like around it, like that, yeah, kind of, like that kind of like swirling thing. That was really cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was cool. The appearance of the base and the outpost and yep. all that. Yeah, it was cool. There was a lot of really cool ship stuff this episode. I'll say there, there definitely was. Yeah. So in the conference room, Pike, Una, and Spock meet with Commander Hansen Al-Salah of Outpost 4, who reminds them that the outposts were on their own that far from the core world and asks how they intended to handle their supply chain problems. Una explains that under the proposed retrofit directive, each outpost would receive a state-of-the-art matter synthesizer that would create whatever they needed using the materials of the asteroids the outposts were built on. Spock adds they would also receive a full complement of automated mining craft. When Pike asks what he thinks of it, Hansen answers that it was all he had asked for the past five years. The door opens to reveal a young boy who was excited to meet Captain Pike. Hansen explains that his son Ma'at dreamed about joining Starfleet. On hearing the boy's name, Pike suddenly freezes. 
not hearing Mott's question about feeling the vibrations of the ship while at war, then rises and quietly excuses himself. Hansen quickly apologizes for his son being so excited, but Pike assures him it was fine, saying he is feeling unwell and that Una and Spock could handle what what he needed. Just being like, oh, no, no big deal. And then then just like, oh, like, yeah, coming in. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I honestly like that setup where he hears the name and like everything kind of like he go he goes yeah. deaf because he's just like can't even think about yeah, it. It's, it's kind of good. He's basically like you can hear like in the background you hear people things exploding and people shouting, but like yeah. he's clearly just reliving yeah. what's going to happen. It's the first time. It's the first time he's been kind of reminded of it in a while. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And I, you know, the thing I liked too uh, was when he gets up and he walks away, and the dad's like, "Oh, like, hey, I'm sorry that my kids like." And he's like, "No, like, I like that he didn't just like coldly walk out. He did turn back and like, it's no, like, it's okay, it's me, yeah, not your kid." I, I was hoping, I was hoping, honestly, for like a, just another scene with Pike and the kid. And the kid, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, like Pike, like just actually asking, like answering his questions and stuff, you know. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, but that's all right because he dies anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to get to know somebody who's gonna nope. die. He's doomed. As he walks back to his quarters, Pike is almost in a daze as he hears the sounds of the future he witnessed on Bareth in his mind. So much so that he almost doesn't hear Una calling to him until she was right next to him. She remembers that Ma was one of the names he mentioned, and Pike admits he hadn't expected it. He knows that two cadets will die in the accident that will cripple him, and Ma was one of them. Una assures him he does not need to face this alone and asks what he will do. He is not sure, but is determined to do something as he enters his cabin. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk to you. I gotta go. Yeah. I'm leaving. I don't like you. I hate your face. His, like, I-, I love too because, like, that shows, like, Pike's character. Like, his first thought after that was, like, I, I gotta go, like, write letters to all these kids and tell them, like, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, looking over the list of names, children in the present, cadets in the future, Pike brings up Ma'at's picture, showing the boy as having been born on the outpost in 2248 and his achievements in science and sports. Pike begins to dictate a letter addressed to Ma'at, saying he was gratified to see he was interested in Starfleet, but believes he should know something about the future. The last word, almost a question. You'll figure out how to say it, a voice says behind him. Trust me. Pike quickly turns, demanding to know who the stranger is. Thought that would have been obvious, the other replies. Revealed to be an aged version of Pike himself, wearing a Starfleet uniform from years in the future, with the insignia of a rear admiral. I'm you. Space. It's fine, it's fine, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that's a pretty cool reveal, and then like right, right then I was like, oh, okay, we're we're in for a ride this episode. This episode is going, 
They're going to do yeah. some things. Yeah, they definitely weren't going to shy away from, from nope. things in this episode. Nope. nope. Which was nice. It's almost like they heard what I said. Obviously not, <laughs> because this is, you know. But it's almost like when every time I was like, but how does he know? You know, like how does he know what his future is actually going to be? Like, it doesn't mean that that's how the outcome of the future has to be. Yeah. And in this episode, they're like, no. If you change the future, Spock's dead. That's on you. That's on <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it does a it does a kind of interesting thing, like you're saying. Uh, maybe we'll get. I'll talk about it later. But yeah, it, do, it does do an interesting thing that I that I didn't expect him to do when I was watching the episode. Yeah. So. Admiral Pike walks over to the counter and picks up one of the knives, apologizing to his younger self, saying the room brought back a lot of memories. Captain Pike begins to ask if it was some kind of joke. Admiral Pike finishes the sentence and says it wasn't. Captain then begins to ask how he would believe it was actually him. You ever going to let me get a word in edgewise? Captain Pike asks irritably. Admiral Pike replies that he knew he was going to say that as well. Captain Pike has served long enough to know not to take the word of someone who just shows up in his cabin and claims to be his future self. Admiral Pike proves who he is by mentioning that Pike's first pony was named Sir Nasalot. He broke his leg in a rainstorm and his parents had to put him down. The young Pike cried for a week afterward. Admiral Pike asks if he ever told anyone that. And Captain Pike makes clear he didn't because it's hard to, to give a tragic story with a silly name. I really enjoyed that like interaction <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the whole like yeah I never told anybody about that because it's it's hard to tell somebody about my tragic backstory when it you know my horse had like this stupid name <laughs> but it was actually really tragic for me. <laughs> yeah right right. I cried for weeks certain is that was dead <laughs> oh man that's pretty good yeah and i like too right doesn't it heart it harkens back to the the cage right like he has horses he likes to do that yep. stuff even the even the beginning of the episode he's already yeah a, the first episode he's already a horse the yeah. other thing that i thought was super rad in this episode in the scene was he picks up a picture the admiral pike picks up a picture of in pike's uh captain pike's room and it's him and robert april and they're in like the they're in like cage type uh uniforms yeah i kind of noticed that yeah it was a pretty cool touch that I, i i i almost thought maybe it was supposed to be when pike was captain of the enterprise and he was his first officer and it was just like a picture of them on the old Enterprise or on the Enterprise when April was captaining it. I thought maybe that's what it was. And they just they added in a nice little touch by giving him like the the like mustardy kind of darker high yeah. collar. Like I noticed that too. I I um I didn't equate it to like the cage, but I equated it to like an early, like an earlier year, yeah. like when he was like a cadet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it wouldn't have been a cadet if he was wearing yellow, but you know what I mean, like an earlier. Yeah, yeah, just earlier, younger, younger yeah. Pike. Yeah. Admiral Pike gets to the point, saying that the letter Captain Pike was about to write was going to wreck the future. 
When Captain Pike asks how and why, the Admiral lays out the facts again. Two cadets would die in that accident in seven years' time, and Ma would be one of them. Captain Pike was trying to figure out how to save both the cadets and himself. And the Admiral reveals that he would do so, or rather, they would do so. He would write to all the cadets, telling them not to be there on that day. But like with all time-bending stuff, it would, have, it would have unforeseen consequences. Captain Pike doesn't see how saving the cadets and himself could be bad, seeing his future self there as being proof that he could pull it off. Admiral Pike agrees, and that was the problem. He points out that the causality was complex and that the latter to Ma'at was the first domino in a chain reaction of events that would lead to catastrophic results, altering the future in ways that they never intended to change. Captain Pike thinks his future self sounds like the Klingon monks from Borath. Who do you think sent me? The Admiral replies, adding that they had given him something to show his past self. He opens a small box, containing a time crystal, saying it would show Captain Pike the effects of changing his fate. The Admiral grimly tells his past self that this was serious, end-of-world stuff, but he knows that the man he was would not put his own fate above the fate of the galaxy, which was how he convinced the Klingons to let him show his past self instead. When Captain Pike asks instead of what, Admiral Pike reminds him how Klingons prefer to solve their problems with a batla, meaning they would kill Pike to preserve the timeline. Captain Pike hesitates, remembering his past experience with, with a time crystal vision, but reaches out and touches the crystal. So to me, this, this is like the thing in like Endgame when they're talking, yeah. they're in that room and they're talking about like time travel. And, yeah. and, and then they explain it and all the stuff. And it's like, no, it's not like all these other things you've seen. It's like, you know, it's a new concept. And that's yeah. kind of what I was thinking when he's like, here's the crystal. And I'm like, okay, how is this even working? Like, how is any of this, how is this, any of this right. ever working? Right. Yeah. The thing that I uh, caught on to is I remember the Klingon, like, monk. Well, no, mm -hmm. not the monks, but I remember like the, I remember that one Klingon like judge guy. Oh, yeah. Being like super rational and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I thought it was very interesting that the situation in the future must be so bad that the Klingons are uh, helping. Yeah, like open, open to discussion. Yeah. 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 Like they're using like wisdom to, like communicate with Pike to go back in the future yeah. and like fix fix it, you know. Also, like Boreth is not like really close to like the Klingon border. It's like inside the Klingon yeah. Empire territory. So right. it's also like, how does Pike, you know, like it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting development. And like you're saying, it's probably what case in point, as we'll get into it, it's probably that the Romulans are conquering much more of space much of and, space yeah and it's like maybe the klingons aren't allies but it's one of those like the enemy of my enemy type well of yeah 
it's like the Klingons definitely weren't at first, but now that the Romulans are encroaching further and further, like now it's like they right. have to do something. This message is being broadcast by the Department of Defense of the Republic. At 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, multiple unidentified objects were confirmed to have entered Earth's atmosphere. It is speculated that these objects are of extraterrestrial origin. The broadcast will quiet at this time for your safety. Continue to carry out the following instructions. This is going to be a new series. It's just <laughs> it's just me explaining movies badly. Just using quotes and like wrongly explaining movies. It's going to be great. It's a new series. Look forward to it. It's called the it's called the Nerd Hole because it's just me. So it's it's the Nerd Hole reviews movies badly and explains movies poorly. That's the name of it. It's a working title. We'll uh we'll work out the kinks. But let's see what other movie can I do? Here, um, there's like this boat, and it's like in the water, and it's like it's called the orca, which is a name for like a whale, a killer whale, but it's not a killer whale because it's in it's in um, Massachusetts, and um, it's trying to find this shark that's been eating people on the beach, even after the mayor, the mayor said that the, um, the beach was safe, uh, but the beach isn't safe. He just, he wanted like the money and revenue. So everybody goes to the beach and then they get like eaten by a shark. So then this old fisher fisherman. As the world reshapes around him, Pike suddenly finds himself elsewhere aboard the Enterprise. Officiating at a wedding, wrong-footed, he asks where he was in the ceremony, and the bride reminds him about what he had been saying about the, the tradition of captains officiating over weddings since the time of seafaring on Earth. Trying to get into the role, but realizing he does not know the names of the two crewmen in front of him, Pike is grateful to be saved by the sound of the computer signaling red alert. Spock then calls from the bridge, identifying himself as number one to Pike's confusion, before reporting that Outpost 4 was under attack by a space vessel, Identity Unknown. Pike acknowledges and heads to the bridge. Yeah, so the thing I liked, so the first thing that was really cool, and I'm not going to like spoil anything for you, but like this scene has like actual significance. It's more than just what's happening in this yeah. scene, which you'll come to you'll come to find out type of thing. 
Well, I assume so because I know, like, from Enterprise time period, that like, um, like ship relationships are kind of frowned upon mm-hmm. through like Star. Yeah, yeah. And so the other thing that w- I, that made me laugh was when he's like, "Oh yes, he's like yes, that is the tradition," and he looks down at his wrist and he's like, uh, "That captains." like to do and he turns around and looks he's like oh, aboard ships yes aboard yeah, ships. yeah. <laughs> and you're getting you're both getting married to each other <laughs> excellent excellent <laughs> yeah that was, like, that's you do really you like. uh crewmate and you <laughs> mm-hmm. other crewmate <laughs> take crewmate to be it's just funny. And then it's funny that like Red Alert like saves him. It's like Red Alert is such a bad thing, but he's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. I would love to listen to Pike give a wedding a wedding talk. Oh, yeah. He probably actually would do a pretty good job. I should hire him. I mean, I'm already married, but do it again. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. Could you redo our vows, please, Mr. Pike? <laughs> yeah. I'm dressed in all Star Wars stuff. <laughs> That's fine. That's okay. They'll get their fingers on him too eventually. Can you sign my lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pike arrives on the familiar but still different bridge, asking for a status update. Spock tells him that that Lieutenant O'Hara can brief him further. Pike sees some familiar faces: Mitchell and Ortegas at the helm but still appears somewhat bewildered as Uhura reports Outpost 4 reporting the attack before the message terminated. Trying to adjust to the situation, Pike asks for updates from Outpost 2 or Outpost 3. Uhura reports that 2 has not responded to Hales and 3 has also gone silent. Ortegas reports that there were eight, they were eight minutes out from Outpost 4, Pike asks if the outpost identified the attacker, but Uhura reports no identification. Ortegas guesses it was the same attacker for all of them, the Romulans. Pike muses for a moment, saying they should not make guesses just yet, as he would like to avoid a war if possible. He asks to be alerted when they were two minutes out and asks Spock to join him in the ready room. So this is what you mentioned before internet got weird, that like... Immediately when he gets up there, it's like, oh, everything is different in a sense of like people. Yep. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And like, you know, you would expect in seven years, like that's kind of I remember yep. you said in one of our other uh episodes, you talked about how, like, well, yeah, you just figured that Ohura and Spock are like more stoic and more like I don't know, just more not themselves because well time has passed yeah. like yeah <laughs> they're different yeah i know yeah yeah like they've seen a lot on board and they don't get like super worried about stuff <laughs> right, right, right and Aurora's like i'm just gonna sit at these towns i'm not even gonna do anything <laughs> that's her role <laughs> in the future <laughs> yeah so right off the bat in this scene, I got to tell you, I knew what I was in for with Ortega. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, right. man, this is going to be a good Ortega episode. I can feel it. Definitely. Definitely. When she gets yelled at, mm, 
<laughs> yeah. Very happy. The old, the only thing. Yeah, the only thing I could say is that she, she, she's specifically written to be worse, and that's okay. Yes, and that, and I'm fine yeah. with that, and I, I understand that. Like, that's why I'm not like yeah. super critical. Yeah, 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 but but she she definitely does get her come come up and says they would say. Yeah, that's good. Pike discovers the year is twenty two sixty six, seven years from the present. He knows Spock thinks this to be a human joke, but Pike makes clear he is serious, calling it time crystal stuff. Approaching it logically, <laughs> Spock believes time travel unlikely and thinks it more likely that Pike is compromised mentally. And as first officer, it was his duty to assume command. Pike assures him he is not mentally compromised and asks what the logical solution would be in that case. As Spock is about to suggest going to sickbay, Pike proposes a mind meld to prove his sincerity. Spock kneels in front of his captain and begins the meld. He sees the accident that should have crippled Pike and is stunned by the realization. Calling his captain Chris, Spock tells him he carries the burden of a terrible future and reveals the accident in question occurred six months earlier. There were no cadets to save and no one on the ship was even injured. Pike asks for Spock's help, believing he was sent to that moment in time for a reason. Spock posits that since the accident never occurred, Pike would remain captain of the Enterprise at a crucial moment in the ship's history. In the prime timeline, some other captain would have commanded things differently. So Spock urges Pike not to command any differently than he normally would. Pike had thought the whole idea was to prevent a terrible future, but Spock believes they had to discover why the future Pike believed this to be a worse future. So the only way to discover the terrible future is to live it. Pike sums up grimly. So there you go. Yeah, yeah I love this scene. I love like how like rational Spock is, obviously. Yeah. But the mind meld again is great. Like obviously, like, like you don't believe me, so why don't you just read my brain and then like we can just move on with this conversation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know. Yeah. That scene too, where he's like, "Oh, so that didn't happen. That was supposed to happen like like six months ago." Yeah, it's like, "Oh, <laughs> that's not good." So that was that was cool. Um, what else? There's something else. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of what it was. There's something else like I liked. Oh, probably the side by side of like half of Spock's face and like the oh the stuff yeah like the stuff happening. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And then you get to see like Pike's radiation damage, like even worse, like like more yeah. drippy. Like his face yeah. is more <laughs> drippy. <laughs> and it's interesting too, because like normally you would be like, well, Pike or Spock must uh Spock's like, well, you're obviously compromised, and then he does the mind melt, and then he's just like, Well, yeah. I guess we just gotta see, we gotta let this thing play out and just see what's terrible. That's what I found interesting. That's what it was. That's what I want to talk about. Is that Spock immediately came to the assumption of life that, like, okay, so if you're here, you're here for a reason. And right. it's like pivotable that you don't change anything that you would have normally done. Yeah. And Pike's like, well, I thought I was here to prevent it. And he's like, no, you're here to see why 
you need to like get blown up. <laughs> like this is why this is why you're here. You need to see what happens. So it's like it's funny. It's funny. It's this weird thing, right? Time travel, right? Where it's like Spock basically has to say, like, oh, I don't exist. <laughs> like I'm not supposed to be here. Like I don't exist. This is this is a weird version of myself. Yeah. But my goal is to like still pretend to be in this time period yeah. and help Pike do what he's supposed to do, but yeah. also not act like everything's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And if anybody can handle that, it's gonna be Spock, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. He just he just is like, oh it's fine, whatever. He just goes along with it. Yeah. He's not really this bothered. Is fine. By it. <laughs> <This is> fine. <laughs> just a normal day on the enterprise. Yep. So the Enterprise arrives at the broken remains of Outpost 4, debris scattered all around. Ortega's holds position just outside weapons range. Spock detects only debris, no sign of any attacking ship. Pike orders him to triple check before asking Uhura if there were any ships in range in case they needed backup. Uhura reports the USS Farragut is closest, a couple hours away, adding that it was Laon's ship. Pike is slightly surprised at this, but covers by saying he had forgotten. Just then, Uhura receives an audio-only hail from Hansen at Outpost 4. This also surprises the captain, who had only spoken to the commander what felt like mere moments ago, but asks for a status update. Hansen reports that Outposts 2, 3, and 8 were gone, destroyed by an unknown weapon. The transmission is interrupted by static in places, but the commander goes on to report that the outpost's deflector shields were at maximum and that they were hit by enormous power. And the first attack blew out their shields, worrying about what will happen if they attack again with their shields gone. Pike asked who or what attacked, but Hansen could not identify them as it happened so fast and the attacker had disappeared somehow. He switches to visual, showing the wreckage of his command post a mile beneath the solid iron asteroid caused by the attacker's weapon. Pike asks if Ma'at was there with him. No, thank God, Hansen replies. Pike asks what he could tell about the attacker. Hansen reports no identity, though he believes the weapon was some kind of high-energy plasma. Then the ship disappeared and he is sure it is still nearby. Suddenly, his sensors detect movement nearby and switches to the sensor feed. The attacker is a Romulan bird of prey, which appears just for a moment before firing off its plasma torpedo. The impact throws Hansen back in a burst of fire before the asteroid itself shudders and explodes. The bird of prey then disappears again. Spock finds it interesting how they appear just for a moment, perhaps necessary to use weapons. Ortegas insists they engage them, but Pike points out they had nothing to follow. Spock attempts to analyze the ship's movement patterns. Yeah, it was interesting getting to see that ship getting blown up. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make this, like, it's obvious, I think it's not a spoiler, they're showing that the Enterprise that Pike is currently on in the future is supposed to be Kirk's Enterprise. Kirk's Enterprise, yeah, yeah. So yep. they're supposed, to, so they're trying to make this episode closer to like an episode of start of the original series. Okay. So they're trying so to basically happens, take this episode. 
they're trying to take this episode and make it feel like a 60s episode. Okay. So this actually happened, this, this is an actual episode in the future or in the original series. Mm, Same type of thing. That's what I was trying not to tell you. Well, no, I mean, I pretty much, I pretty much could tell like this is something that was supposed to happen, but I I didn't know that this was like an actual thing. So that's all I'll tell you so that you, that, because it's already out of the bag. Yeah, you very much, yeah, you very much get like from this episode that like these events are supposed to happen, but it's not supposed to be Pike, what like Pike, right? Yeah, so that that is pretty cool. That probably would have cool. made a lot like cooler to watch the yeah. other one first, yeah. but well, you wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was gonna say, but what you'll get is the cool experience of eventually seeing the episode and being like oh cool mitchell then reports their warp signature and coming and uhura adding that they were being held by the farragut specifically by her captain james t kirk pike is surprised to recognize him as sam kirk's brother before he orders the channel open kirk greets his fellow captain and offers assistance saying the farragut had received outpost four distress call and pushed warp nine as long as they safely could he asks if they knew who the attacker was. Ortegas pipes up that they had a pretty good idea, but Pike firmly responds that they were attempting to determine conclusively. Spock offers a potential lead, mentioning that the ship had some kind of cloaking device, but still has a notable gravitational signature. Kirk asks if it can be tracked, and Spock replies that theoretically, they could determine its approximate location by detecting the micro-lensing of background stars. Pike asks where the intruder was now. Spock brings up the approximate location, saying that they were moving at a very leisurely maneuver, theorizing that since they had to decloak to fire, the cloaking device must also affect their sensors, meaning that not only could they not see the attacker, but the attacker could also not see them either. Spock projects its course as 111 Mark 14. The exact heading a Romulan vessel would take back towards the neutral zone and home. Ortegas thinks it obvious that the attackers are the Romulans and that they had to be taken out. Pike reminds her that Starfleet is clear about breaching the neutral zone as it would be an act of war. Ortegas asks if destroying three Earth outposts were not also an act of war. Pike counters that if they attacked the Romulans without authorization, the Federation would consider them expendable. Kirk agrees with Pike and offers another option. They should shadow the ship on a parallel course. If the Enterprise and the Farragut match the Romulans move for move, the Romulans might consider them a reflection. Pike concurs and orders Uhura to contact Starfleet to ask for permission to engage before telling Kirk uh, they would talk later. Once the channel closes, Pike tells Spock to have Sam Kirk come up to his ready room. Since I didn't see the original episode that you're talking about, when Kirk shows up, I was, like, very surprised. Mm -hmm. It was one of those Mm -hmm. things I was like, oh, wow, that is, like, super cool. Yeah, I kept that. I thought he looked... 
I thought he looked <laughs> great too. Like as far as like, um, you know, the guy they got to play him. Yeah, yeah. Like I totally believe that that's like a young Kirk. He said, uh, funny too. I think I think his name is like Paul Wesley or something. They they the cool thing is, is he said in an interview around the time this was being filmed, or or maybe it was it was released. Because all of a sudden it was like obviously announced that he was uh, he was going to be playing Kirk, you know? Yeah. And he, I think he said he was like coming back from filming, or no, I think he was on his way to film, and he was like on an airplane flying to wherever they film, like Toronto or something. And like no joke, like Shatner was on the plane, <laughs> and he he went and said hi to him and then told him what he was doing. And like, he actually got to like talk to the guy before like filming. What are the chances of that? Like what are the chances, right? Yeah. That's pretty funny. That's crazy. Okay. Sam asks if they were off the record and at Pike's nod, he acknowledges that Jim was always ahead of his class and he was smart and highly skilled, but not above relying on charm or even luck. Pike calls him a wild card. A whole deck of them, Sam confirms, saying that Jim didn't like to take the path everyone else did, and he didn't like to lose. Pike wonders if they should be worried that he would start a war. Sam admits he considers Jim a, a huge pain in the butt, but he is also as fine as a captain as Starfleet has, even if he bends the rules all the time. Spock then calls Pike back to the bridge, as there was something he should see. <laughs> I so, like that. I like the interview with, with his brother. <laughs> so like, hey, like, so tell me, tell me all about your brother, because... Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I laughed when I, I... I didn't know... I couldn't remember what scene he shows up on, but... Yeah. <laughs> then he was here, and I was like, here's Caleb's favorite buddy. <laughs> yep. And he always shows up. He show every time he shows up, he he's not doing what his role is on the ship. No, he's always doing something else. You know, that egg electrocuted him, and now he forgot what his role. Yeah, <laughs> that's what made it even funnier to me. Like I like this scene because I like him talking about his brother, and it's really funny. Yeah, but it's funnier too because. There's been so many times on the ship where they've come across like aliens, like new yeah. aliens, and like so yeah. his job is like alien culture, like studying, right? Yeah. And never, never, he's never there. He's never there. No. Now this episode, they're like, "Hey, so send Kirk to my ready room. I need to talk to him. This is very urgent." He gets up there and he's like, "All right, so tell me all about your brother." <laughs> I need. To know. <laughs> It's like there's been a lot of other situations where you probably should have been talking to to Kirk, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that absolutely. was that's very funny. Okay, Uhura has detected a signal on an unused EM frequency coming from the comet Icarus Four, directly ahead of them. It was encoded, and Spock was attempting to decipher, but she believes it to be from the enemy ship. Spock reports the transmission was cut off but they were able to make a copy, which he believes is the feed from the enemy bridge. Ortegas eagerly thinks this will mean that they will find out what the Romulans look like. Pike and Spock put the transmission on screen. An image of the Romulan commander appears on screen, 
showing him to have pointed ears similar to Vulcan's. All eyes on the bridge suddenly turned to Spock, most looking stunned, and Ortegas looked somewhat accusatory. Spock's only reaction is a raised eyebrow. <laughs> that was super good. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, yeah. I know the Romulans are like the bad boogeyman of space. Like that I've known. Yeah. And I forgot that I've even seen them before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So like, I've, yeah. you know, I forget because, because that last season is so much about like Zindi and then the very briefly mm-hmm. the Romulans and then the, they're doing yeah. six seasons worth of stuff. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I forgot about it, but I knew that the Romulans were bad. But then when yeah, they yeah. show them, when they show them in this scene, I was like, oh my God, yes, I remember the Romulans <laughs> from Enterprise. Yeah. Remember that big, the big guy? Yeah, yeah. The big tall, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the one, like, controlling, he has the ANR and he's using the thing and they're yes. flying. Uh, yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, I was always, I always was intrigued at, like, why their species is so close to, like, um, Vulcan, you know, like I don't know any of that stuff, or like why are yeah. they branch off or anything? That is the million dollar question, isn't it? Probably something we're going to get into a lot. For years, sure. probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Probably Picard definitely. is going to do a lot of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting theories. Yeah, interesting theories. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If I remember one thing about my mom watching Deep Space, it's always, oh, we got to do this because the Romulans, the Romulans. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Next Gen is very Romulan heavy. Next Gen is. Yeah, yeah. They show up a lot more than than other things in that series. It's pretty much Romulans and Klingons. Is Next Gen is like that's the main. Nice. And then Deep and Space the Nine is a little bit, yeah, that's true, yeah, yeah. And I like Deep Space Nine is like Cardassians and Jem Hadar and Ferengi. Cardassians, like yeah. No, uh, I didn't know the Cardassians were in space too. That is scary, and they're just as terrible. I bet. <laughs> I bet they are. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't doubt it for a second. Wouldn't doubt it for a second. Yep. They're just green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. As the Enterprise and the Farragut approach the comet, Captain Kirk beams aboard the Enterprise, where he is greeted in the transporter room by Pike and Sam. He hugs his older brother before remarking on quite the ship they have there. Something Sam translates as jealousy. It was nice, right? It was nice to have him like come off the thing, as you said, and he was like, mm, I like this. I like the It ship. was cool. <laughs> it was cool to see him on the Enterprise. Yeah. And be like, oh, I wish I had the Enterprise. <laughs> I would do this really well. <laughs> I would have already blown up the Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I do that voice, I think of the the Sultan from uh, Temple of Doom. 
Oh. I thought the stories were the frightened children. Oh, that was that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one definitely. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah. So I always do that voice, and I always remember that. I oh, that's the next thing that comes into my head. I always thought the stories scare children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he talks for like five or six minutes, and then yeah. they're all just like patiently listening to him talk. Yeah. yeah. Cheer the monkey brains. Cheer the monkey brains. <laughs> In the conference room, Pike notes the silence and points out that points out they would not get out of the problem by not talking about it. Ortega agrees, thinking Spock should explain himself. Spock assures her he was as surprised by the Romulans' appearance as she was. Kirk agrees that it did seem suspicious. Not the similarity, but the fact that they would reveal it now. The Romulans knew the Vulcans and humans were long-timed allies, so perhaps they allowed the, the Starfleet ships to see the transmission in order to sow discord. Even ignoring the pointy-eared elephant in the room, Ortegas also points out they were about to lose their prey. Mitchell reports the Romulans would return to the neutral zone within an hour. Kirk does not think they would they could wait and they and they had to make a choice there and now spock reminds them of the power of the romulan plasma torpedo and the weapon in conjunction with their cloak gave them a tactical advantage even against their ships working in tandem dr mbenga asks what exactly they would be working in tandem for to destroy the romulan ship if they were lucky enough to do that wasn't that technically an act of war Ortegas quietly reminds him that the Romulan started it, but Mbenga counters that they were not in a schoolyard. Billions of lives were at stake. Pike assures them all that he wanted to hear their opinions. Mbenga is firmly against war. Ortegas agrees, but that means destroying the Romulans. Kirk wonders what would happen if the attacker returned to Romulus to report to their leaders that the Federation wouldn't fight back, saying he leans towards attack. If they allowed the Romulans to destroy their outposts without repercussions, then uh, they ran the risk of war. Pike remained sure there was another way forward. To Pike's surprise, Spock also believed they should attack. If the Romulans were an offshoot of Vulcans, and he believes they are, then attacking uh, was their only option. He tells them that Vulcans had its own aggressive colonizing period, savage even by human standards. If the Romulans had retained this martial philosophy, then weakness was something they dared not show. Ortegas thinks there was hope after all, if she and Spock could agree. My biggest question, right? Okay. And not to beat a dead horse. Okay. Why is Ortega even at the table? That would be my first question, right? What what was her role there? Yeah, I, as yeah, the basically. pilot of the ship. <laughs> why is she on the council table? Yeah, I think it's just a senior staff meeting. So yeah, it's, yeah, but I, it, it's it's not. It's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it, it just was like why well, I don't understand what what she's doing there, you know. Well, you have like the, Spock and the Doctor, which all makes sense. You have Kurt from the other ship, the other captain. Yep. His brother is 
you know, senior staff of like alien intelligence. That makes sense. Then you have the pilot. What do you think, pilot? I think we should kill them all. Like, well, (laughs) I sure hope you don't pilot the ship into war. Because that's your job as the pilot. I don't remember Travis being in any of the um, ready room meetings. Do you? Oh, yeah. He stood there all the time. He just didn't say anything because, like you're saying, he was the pilot. Did he, did he stand in the ready room? Yeah, he stood in the back. Yeah, oh, yeah. I thought he was always at, at his command station, like, waiting for the meeting to be over. But maybe I'm just remembering. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, maybe a couple scenes when they're, like, specifically, like, in the middle of something. You know what I mean? And, like, he can't break away because he's going through right, like, an asteroid field. Because he's piloting like the ship, and he should always be piloting the ship. <laughs> I think the only time he really ever spoke up was that episode where it was about the freighter and he actually, you know, had a lot to contribute about the freighter because he grew up on a freighter. Yeah. So he knew about it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I want to say, I'm pretty sure he was pretty consistently back in the back part talking to them all. Okay. Or at least listening, I should say. <laughs> I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to check. I just don't remember. Maybe that's why I don't remember being there because he never said anything. Probably. He didn't, he didn't offer his two cents about every freaking thing. Right. Right. Exactly. It's one of those things, too, where it's just the bad, it's just bad writing. You know, it's like every chance yeah. they get, they make her say, like, oh, I think we should blow him up. It's like, yeah, we got it. We got it. <laughs> you want to blow I mean, him up? I got it. You don't need I to blow him all up. <laughs> and then in bank is like, oh, well, that would be acting war. She's like, yeah, but I don't care about war. Just kill him. It's like, wow. Okay. We got well, it. The funny thing. Two that that you said in Benga made me laugh. Made me think of you last week's episode or two weeks <laughs> yeah. episode where you where they're eating breakfast, right? And it's like, yeah. oh wow, this is delicious. And then also Benga's like, and the waffles. And you were like, oh, and Benga's in the room too. It was, <laughs> it was very much like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like being crazy, and then it zooms over to Benga, and he's like, oh, so it's like schoolyard. You want it to be like a schoolyard fight? <laughs> you know, tit for tat, essentially, is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Absolutely. do. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I like that scene. I like everybody kind of voicing their opinions, you know, in a respectful manner. <laughs> what do you Fair. think? Like, ask for the captain to specifically ask you what are your thoughts, and then you can, then you can talk. You know, I think yeah. that's what made me so mad last week when um, Ohura asks or take like permission to speak freely. It's like, mm. first of all. She doesn't, so why why would you, right? Yeah. And she's not even in that, like, role to, like, ask for permission to no. speak freely. And why would you ask her, of all people, she doesn't get permission to speak freely? So it's, it's like, yeah. why are yeah, they writing yeah. that? Like, why do they write that? Like, you know, you know how she is, you write her. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Kirk adds a potential alternative Pike is looking for, asking Spock to project the comet's trajectory. But the Romulans headed for the comet's tail. While they couldn't be spotted while cloaked, particle distortion from going through the tail would reveal their location. Both ships would be flanking from either side, penning, uh, penning them in and allowing them to lock on weapons. Pike thinks it is a good plan. Get to kind of see Kirk uh, think on the fly. It's cool. It's cool to see that, like, as of right now, Kirk is kind of with Pike. You're right, 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 like, right. Let's not open fire. 
Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, you'll get to it. But coming up, he's like, hey, so um, obviously you can tell, like, this is the part where, like, Kirk would make mm. a drastically different. And it's cool. Yeah. And I look forward to watching the actual original series episode. Mm, mm, next year. Next year when we get to it, baby. <laughs> Captain's personal log, start date 1709.2. Per Captain Kirk's plan, we are mounting a pincer move. Our two ships will slowly drift closer as the Romulans remain unaware. When they pass through the comet's tail, giving us their exact location, we will be in weapons range. Kirk, however, has agreed to, to my plan to neutralize, not destroy, the bird of prey, leaving open the possibility of dialogue. And yet, I remain concerned this brash young Starfleet captain follows his own rules. I can't help but wonder, is Kirk the reason I was sent here? If I wasn't here to stop him, we would we be led into war? So before I go into this other chunk, I thought it was funny. Like, it's fine that he gives a personal log, but it's like, it's not, it's just going to be deleted. Like, it's not going to exist when he, that it's funny. True. The personal yeah. log has always been a way for the character to express his feelings so that the audience knows what his feelings are. Right, 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 right. But it is funny to think about, like, he's he's recording a personal log on the computer that he knows he's in the future and he's not going to stay there. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. That is funny. Wow, I didn't think about that when I was watching the episodes. <laughs> Captain's Log, okay. I'm somewhere in the future. <laughs> Don't know if my audio logs are safe. <laughs> Somehow, I hope they Somehow, are. some way, hopefully they'll stay. <laughs> Spock! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw your yeah. the clip you added of Spock destroying all the the, oh the yeah, styrofoam. Uh, super good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed they do, it. They do a pretty good job for some of the stuff back then. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I obviously like um, as like a prop guy, like a lot of that stuff like didn't look super cheap. No, right, right. I remember like in the cage we were talking about like the mountains and stuff. You could see were just like paper mache. Yeah, yeah. But that when he punches that like panel board. It like dents in. It must have been like something, uh, probably like thin metal, like just like tin or something. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe and it just yeah. punches it, blam, and it like actually like crumples inward, you know? And it looked real. It looked yeah. like real metal. It was very yeah. impressed. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's I like cool... it a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's just because you want that dumb and dumber scene at the bottom right now. That's all. <laughs> I lock you alone. <laughs> Pike orders Ortegas to maintain present course, but be ready. She promises to keep her foot on the gas, just in case. Spock still detects the Romulans' gravitational distortion. The Farrakha is also in position and holding course. Kirk asking to hear the moment the Enterprise spots the Romulans. The two ships pass through the comet's tail and see nothing. Kirk realizes something is wrong. Spock concurs, as they should have seen the Romulans by now. Suddenly, the bird of prey decloaks behind the Farragut. Both ships order red alert. As the bird of prey opens fire on them with its disruptors, Kirk orders attack pattern Tiberius 4, bringing the ship around to open fire on the Romulans. The bird of prey launches its plasma torpedo, which smashes through the saucer of the Farragut, 
disabling the ship. Kirk urges the Enterprise to fire phases to draw the Romulans' attention, but Pike is concerned about hitting the Farragut, as well as being out of range. After a moment, however, he orders Mitchell to fire full phasers. One blast manages to clip the Bird of Prey's port nacelle. Pike orders hailing frequencies to try and keep the Romulans' attention. The Bird of Prey fires another plasma torpedo, and Pike calls for the crew to brace for impact. The torpedo hits, but not as seriously as, as to the Farragut. Mitchell reports damage to decks 6, 7, and 9, and weapon control was down. Pike wonders how they were alive at all, as the weapon should have destroyed them. Spock speculates the weapon was less effective when fired at long range. Pike then asks for the status of the Farragut. The scans show the ship will lose life support within the next five minutes. Ortegas can get to them within 30 seconds. Pike calls Chief Kyle and tells him to warm up the transporters as they were about to be tested to their upper limits. It's one of those things, too, like in sci-fi and like, mm-hmm. I think um, Star Trek is more like this, where like the other ship like shoots their like mm-hmm. laser cannon or whatever. Yeah. And it's very clearly like, it's like, and they're like, oh my God, what do we do? Brace for impact. Oh, it's like the saucer could have very much just been like, nah. And it's like, yeah. they start too, like, too late, you know? And it's like, and I get it's a big ship and it's like, it takes a lot to like turn. But it's like the yeah, thing yeah. was coming from miles away, and they're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you would don't wouldn't you want like new pretty good maneuverability like on on your like fire yeah. fire star yeah, 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 like yeah. destroyer ships, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was just funny. It was funny. Yeah, but it's, it's like they had some... to get they had to get yeah. hit so that like the audience knows that like. um that cannon's not super lethal from far away. Right, exactly. Is really all yeah. I was telling you, you know? Yeah. So it's fine. And I thought too, just like the out just like the outpost getting uh hit with the torpedo that um the Farragut hitting getting hit with it too was like pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty good visual visual effect too, you know. It was. That like um uh, yeah, what is it? It's not photon torpedo. What what, what is the thing around it? Plas- plasma. Plasma. Yeah. So it's got that like ball of energy look, you know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's very spacey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep. I'm not gonna keep using that. That's what it's just gonna turn into. I like it a lot. I'll look a little. I'll have to change the. I'll have to change that. Yeah. <laughs> Adri thought it was funny when I when she first saw it because she was always listening to it and she heard the audio of that scene but never saw yeah. it. Oh and yeah, she saw it and she was like, she laughed. She goes, "He always does say it's good." That's what she said. That's what well, that said. was the joke. It's good four stars. <laughs> yeah, it was a yeah. running joke because, like, after the first like three episodes we did, I was like, "Yeah, it was a good episode. It's a good episode." 
So I thought that would just, yeah, be funny. Yeah, to add that. yeah it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to make one. I'll have to make one though for you. That's like, it was bad. <laughs> It'd be like one star. <laughs> one. I hated that. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It'll happen. It'll definitely happen. Pike heads down to the transporter room where Lon is leading a group of survivors from the Paragut. She calls for them to clear the pad as there was one more group coming before spotting Pike. Just to his surprise, she hugs him, saying she was glad to see him. Pike didn't remember her being much of a hugger, calling her lieutenant. She corrects him by saying she was a commander now. He then asks if she's spoken to Una. Lon looks confused, saying that Una was not allowed contact. The last group beams aboard, including Captain Kirk, who demands to speak with Pike. So yeah, pretty yeah. funny to have Lon right show up, and then she's like, "Oh, super sweet," and like, <laughs> like long hair too, right? Her hair's not even in a yeah. bun anymore. Yeah, it's not like in a braid. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of cool. So I assume she's like number two on the ship, right? So. I yeah, I got so. the impression. Yeah, because she's wearing gold. She's lieutenant. That's kind of what I got from that. Or commander. She's commander, yeah. Commander, commander, not lieutenant. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, it's funny that this is, like, now where Pike is getting interested to see, like, what happened to Luna. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't that be, like, one of his first questions to, like, Spock, too? Like, when he was doing the mind meld? Like, mm. hey, so why are you number two? Like, what happened, you know? Yeah. But no now time. he's curious. No now time. he's all curious about it. Yeah. <laughs> now they've just been. Now the ship's been <laughs> no time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know we're in the middle of a war and like our your ship's gone, but like, what is going on with like? Have you talked to Una? So I'm very curious about where Una yeah. is. Could you just? You know like... I can't talk to her. <laughs> she blew up three cities. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's a wanted terrorist, you idiot! You fool! You fool! <laughs> You know this. <laughs> yeah. I um, think the funny thing that they they couldn't ever do an actual television, but it would be really funny is <laughs> if it's just like, could you imagine him showing up and being like, yeah, what do you She's like, oh, you're so funny, Captain Pike. I'll see you later. And just like walked away. Like, doesn't oh, explain anything. Just, I'd like love a real, it. Yeah, I'd love like it. a real person would react. Oh, like, Pike. <laughs> it is funny. You ask me that every time you see me. It never gets old, Captains. Never get old. I'll be in the mess hall. <laughs> yeah, man, that would be funny. I would really like that. Yeah, but they won't do it because they want to be like, no, give mysterious background. Yeah, you need to know plus, every detail. Plus, to their to their benefit, it pays off. Like her saying, it pays off. Yes. Yeah, because that, as we'll see, is part of history that doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> Alone in Pike's cabin, Kirk vents his frustration. You flinched, you deliberated, and we had lost. Pike points out that they fired and were fired upon, and that was why Kirk was still there. Kirk is struck by the idea that from the start, Pike wanted to cripple rather than destroy the Romulans. Pike coldly warns him that 
not to question his combat readiness simply because they had differing viewpoints. Kirk does not back down, saying that Pike's caution meant not putting everything he had into the punch, which was a good way to lose. The enemy would see that and act accordingly. Pike wonders why all the rage over a second's delay. Tell me I'm wrong, Captain, and I will back down. Kirk challenges him. Pike acknowledges that Kirk was more willing to take risks than he was, but reminds him that he was saying that on Pike's ship because he had lost his own. Kirk concedes that point before adding that he had underestimated the Romulan commander and would not do so again. Just then, Spock calls them both to the bridge. Pretty good scene. Between yeah, I really like that. And I like the thing I like is they weren't like hot-headed, like kid, like little boys yelling at each other. It was like yep. they had just had differing viewpoints of how they would have handled the situation. Yeah, and then yeah, I, I mean, think you know, call, yeah, yeah, calling him out for like flinching and not like really having his heart and like ready to blow up the Romulans, right. Right, right, would be right. like a very normal conversation. Like, yeah, you you left me, you kind of left the sign dry because you didn't <laughs> want to blow them up, you know. Yeah, and then that you know, Pike always has those good like one-liners, you know. Yeah, and him just saying like, "Hey, so like, my combat readiness has been tried and tested, and like, obviously, you do things a little differently. I I can see that because uh, your ship is gone, right? <laughs> Don't forget, you're on my ship because right. your ship is." Bad destroyed <laughs> yeah yeah that's a it was a really it was like a ooh like that meme thing when all the guys he says the one line they're all like oh <laughs> yeah 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 it's yeah. pretty pretty good but yeah i mean two great actors in a scene you can really you really believe like they're both captains in there yeah that's a, that's a other- conversation that's a great point because that's another great uh, thing that I appreciate about it is that like um, Kirk is like now a captain, so now it's like he's not just a just a hot yes. like young guy. Like he also is a captain. He knows what he's doing. He's not like they wouldn't promote him to that position if he was an idiot. So yes, yeah, he's not just yeah, he's not just some like lieutenant coming in. Right, he's not Ortegas. <laughs> like, I wasn't gonna say shouting. it. I wasn't gonna say it. I wasn't gonna say it. I wasn't gonna say it. No, no, because she she does some more stuff later on. And I was just gonna save it for that. But okay, Spock was able to get a scan of the bird of prey before it cloaked. It was trailing trilithium fragments, meaning their power supply was damaged. They would not be able to return to Romulus. Its heading was still taking it back towards the Romulan neutral zone, but the Enterprise could overtake them. However. The Enterprise offensive capabilities are limited. The phasers were down and the torpedo tubes took damage in the attack. Kirk points out the Romulans don't know that, but Pike counters that they would figure it out if the Enterprise pulled up on the Berta Wings 6 and couldn't fire. Pike orders healing frequencies, acknowledging that the Romulans had ignored them thus far, but decides to take a risk. As the channel opens, Pike identifies himself and his ship, uh, saying that the two cultures had been at war for a hundred years, long enough where they didn't even question it. However, he believes they could make a different choice there and now. He offers a temporary ceasefire so that they could talk for the first time in a century. 
After the channel closes, Kirk concedes Pike's move was unexpected. Pike knows the Romulans want to destroy them, but they also wanted to get home. Yet knowing what the other wanted was key to a successful negotiation. Assuming, Kirk points out, that they can be negotiated with. They would soon find out, her reports the Romulans are hailing them. Captain Pike, it is good to make your acquaintance. The Romulan commander greets him. It's like, that's kind of what like Pike is known for, right? He's the Boy Scout. Hey, right. He's the Boy Scout. Yep, exactly. And this is where it all goes off the rail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems like something Archer would have done too, honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think at the end of the day, he probably wouldn't just uh, just kind of sit on it and always reach for diplomacy. I, I think after the the Zindi stuff, he kind of changed. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's true. I think early Archer is kind of like Pike, and later Archer is kind of like Kirk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's more military minded towards the end. Not like yeah. you know fighting new cultures and that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Because they went out to do that, and then they realized that, like, hey, so there's a lot of stuff out here that's bad, and there's a lot of, like, cultures that, like, want to, like, kill us just because, like, they're just a, they're just a bad group of people. Right, right. So it's not, like, all, like, friendly, peachy, you know. (laughs) But um, what I think is interesting is every time we see something happen with Pike and the Romulans moving forward... Mm-hmm. It, like is showing you that it's putting them even closer to like full war because every everything that Pike does is all based on like human, you know, culture and being friends, and the Romulans right. are not. That's everything not about <laughs> everything about that is like makes them want to like destroy them more. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> like clearly, like their mission was to like blow up the the bases and see like yeah. hey so like if we blow up these two bases are the humans going to come into our territory and, and start to like fight us right and like if they did they probably would have been like yeah so i guess they're not to be messed with but since they like right. wanted they came in and they're like hey so we should be friends like don't blow up our stuff anymore they're like oh these people need to be eradicated they're they're <laughs> right right losers. exactly <laughs> exactly exactly yeah you hit, hit the nail right on the head exactly and that's cool. That's fast. That's I mean, I, I love that. I like that. It's good. It's cool. Yeah, not everybody in space is like, "What the Federation?" That sounds amazing. Oh, that sounds really fun. Let's all join together and hold hands. <laughs> <laughs> Romans are basically like, "Hey, so we're gonna blow you up, and if you don't come in and blow us up, then we're just gonna we're just gonna blow it all up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't hit us yeah. back, then we're not gonna be friends." I'm very, like, fascinated to learn about, like, Romulans, like, from the beginning. Like, mm. how, because space is charted, right? They show the chart, and it's like, this is all Romulan space. <laughs> it's like, how do you know? They obviously yeah. never had, like, peace peace meetings or, like, negotiations to say, like, hey, so th- mark mark your space. So that's the really fascinating thing. Yeah. Is the last episode of Enterprise is like that you saw their Terra Prime. Yeah. Where he's crying, they cry over the baby. That episode, it's like a year or two. It's only a couple of years is and 
after that episode is the Earth Romulan War. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Romulan neutral zone is like set up. Oh. Well, yeah, I that's like that's that. yeah. They don't. That's you know what's really fun is everybody does, and they 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 just don't. They do just it. won't do it. Yeah, no. Well, there there would have to be so many things that they have to like fill in and make sure it's like congruent to true, you know, true. And so much. Well, that stuff. was the funny thing is is they were when they were pushing initially when they were talking about Star Trek Discovery before it was even like a thing. It was just like, hey, this new show is going to come to Par- uh, CBS All Access, but before it was called Paramount Plus. And everybody yeah. was like, oh, cool. And then they were reading these notes about how, like, well, they're going to cover a thing that's been largely talked about in Star Trek, but never filmed. And everybody was like, oh, the Earth Romulan War? Amazing. Like, and then no. the show started. Yeah, the show started and they were like, no, we're going to show you the Klingon War that really nothing, nobody talked about. And you're like, what? Wait a minute. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like surprise, it's more Zindi stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of a yeah, big but, yeah, but you know what though? Without Discovery, you wouldn't have we wouldn't be watching this. And this I is know. great, you know. No, I know. I know. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, like I'd love with, to see that. It's it's like without the sequels to Star Wars. There wouldn't be the Mandalorian. <laughs> that's my god. That's true. That's a true statement. So, did Archer fight? Did Archer fight in the Romulan War? Yeah, he was a cat. He was still a captain of the Enterprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I don't want to see that. That wouldn't be fun. <laughs> that wouldn't be entertaining. Watch <laughs> I hate nah. that. No more Scott Bakula, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me mad. Yeah, that's the thing that, like, with our RPG, like, I, that's why stuff is, like, slightly different with the Enterprise guys, because, like, that has happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think, honestly, I don't want to upset you even further, but I do no, think good. that the store, the showrunners of Enterprise said that season five would get into the Romulan oh. War. Can't heal it. <laughs> get rid of it. Get rid of it. Scrap it. <laughs> wow. We want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they didn't bore everybody with the friggin' Zindi stuff for three, yeah. three seasons. Yeah. yeah. All right. Pike knows the Romulans attacked the outpost on their side of the neutral zone, but also knows that their two cultures had been at war for generations without having been face to face. He doesn't know why the Romulans attacked Earth in the past or what Earth did in retaliation, but knows only that they were still paying a bill written long after either of them were born. Perhaps it was time to reconsider the costs. He believes they had two choices. They could destroy each other with what power they had left or try something different, try to understand each other. If they didn't, the war between their peoples would continue unabated and the cost for that was sure, death. The commander acknowledges that their peoples were indeed different. As in Romulan culture, Pike's words would be considered weakness. He asks what purpose dialogue would serve, save to delay him, or indeed why he should listen to Pike at all. Pike points out that both ships were damaged. The Romulan cloak was unstable, which left them vulnerable to, to the Enterprise weapons. Perhaps they had enough power to attack, 
or even to get back to Romulus without repairs. Conversely, perhaps the Enterprise could marshal its weapons and destroy them before they make it to the neutral zone, or even chase them across the border, destroy them, and get out before anyone's the wiser. The commander asks what Pike proposes. Pike offers a good faith gesture, a two hour ceasefire, so they could each repair their ships and bury the dead. After a tense moment, the commander agrees. To your thing that it's totally fine to talk about, but they're but you'll get into it is um they basically the earth romulan war they, none of this ever happened where they talk to each other and like um see each other on the screen it was all like long range like warfare yeah 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 i can see that basically just setting up boundaries yeah exactly basically shooting and then being like oh okay nope and then you know, and try to invade planets and then yeah, yeah, the Federation. But the thing that the thing that stopped them was the thing that Archer is putting forth at the end of that they're putting together at the end is that coalition of planets. Uh, so like the Romulans are start to invade, and the coalition of planets, which is now Andorians, Tellarites, Vulcans, Earth, and anybody else, core, I think yeah. a couple other species like Denoblians and stuff like that. Like yeah, yeah. they all can mount. They also have ships and they can mount a collective like alliance response to one empire attacking, like one government attacking, you know. Yeah, you're not just fighting one planet anymore. Right, exactly. Exactly. Which also explains why they haven't been you haven't heard from them or seen them in like a hundred years because <laughs> they kind of got yeah. beat up and it's like maybe we go back and reconsider things. But now they're just bored, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're testing the waters. Yeah. And there's always quote the um, the girl from uh, Austin Powers, right? The Dr. Evil's like henchman one. Finally, oh. one's house. <laughs> As the channel closes, Ortegas firmly believes the Romulans could not be trusted, having blasted the Farragut right in front of them. Pike quietly tells her to stand down, but Ortegas protests that they couldn't let the Romulans get away with it. Pike again tells her to stand down, much louder this time, and she meekly acknowledges. As Pike resumes the captain's chair, Spock reports the Romulans have stopped their forward motion. Kirk wonders what they were doing over there. Hopefully the same thing we are, Pike replies grimly. So this is where you like uh, Ortegas getting yelled at? Yeah, you know it. Is like she just keeps, she just keeps going on and on. Yeah, she certainly does. And Pike's like, he just like I told you, like just let it, let it go. She can't, she can't let it go. No, she can't. She hates the Romans. They, they killed her parents. <laughs> yeah. Okay, aboard the Bird of Prey, the sub commander on the bridge protests against the ceasefire, calling it Federation weakness, and asking if it was not the Romulan way to attack when given such an advantage. The commander is committed to the ceasefire and orders all hands to make repairs to the engines. Otherwise, they would not make it back to Romulus. The subcommander believes they should prioritize repairs to the weapons. The Federation had given them the advantage and they should use it before the ridiculous ceasefire ended. 
The commander takes him aside to speak in private, trying to recall if it was the subcommander's fourth mission. The young officer replies it was his third. The commander recalls serving with the subcommander's uncle, Tarquin, during the Riemann campaign, something the subcommander was aware of. He calls his uncle's death a great victory for Romulus. The commander acknowledges Tarquin's bravery, but calls his commander a fool, forcing them to attack without weapons. He considers Tarquin's death a waste and calls it stupid, saying it made them weaker. Because he is old enough not to care what others think of him, he expresses the belief that pride was not something they could afford. On his ship, they would look at the world clearly, not based on ego. He again calls for the engine repairs first, then weapons, before asking if the subcommander was arrogant enough to believe he knew better than his superior. The subcommander replies he is not. The commander thinks this good as he needs his officers. He does not know if the peace game they were playing with the Federation would work. But he had to see it through, thinking it was a good thing if they achieved it. And if not, the subcommander asks, then you'll get your war, the commander replies, before dismissing him back to his station. It'll go fine. It'll be, everything will be fine from that situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting that, like, as like aggressive as they are, mm-hmm. that um, they would do something as cowardice as like blowing up like an unarmed ship. Mm, true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like the Klingons are more like they're going to like fight you, but they want to make sure that it's a you know a proper honorable. fight. Like, yeah, it's got to be honorable. Both sides have to be. Yeah. You know. So it's interesting yeah, that Rom- the Romians are like, no, we'll 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 do anything by any means necessary, you know. Yeah. They're 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 slimy and more deceptive, yeah. Yeah. It was cool. I, I like seeing too that like this captain like didn't care about he just was kind of over the whole situation. Yeah. In his ready room, Pike offers Spock coffee looking over a pad. When Spock replies that he drinks tea rather than coffee, Pike offers him tea instead. Spock declines, causing Pike to chuckle. He is reassured that Spock was still the same even in the future before lamenting how so much had gone wrong. The loss of Outpost 4, the destruction of the Farragut. Any of those could bring the dark future he was warned about, but he can't help but feel something worse was coming. Spock reminds him that typically no one can know the future in the moment. One could only follow one's instinct and hope the truth will present itself. Plankton asks what happened to Una. Spock reveals that she was sent to the Federation penal colony on Salius 6, where she has spent the last seven years. When Pike asks why, Spock mentions her deception. He is confused, having thought Pike knew about it years ago. The door chimes, heralding Captain Kirk. Spock leaves to personally supervise repairs on the phaser array. Pike is aware that Kirk wants him to change tack, but pride was not something they could afford. Kirk admits he would have wanted to destroy them, but it wasn't his call. Where they were now, he didn't know if the Romulans couldn't be trusted, but he didn't know if they could either. And neither did Pike. Pike concedes the point. 
Kirk offers a backup plan. Just in case negotiations fail. A two-hour ceasefire gave the Romulans time to repair their ship. But being on the edge of the neutral zone, perhaps they could also summon reinforcements. What if the Enterprise did the same? Pike reminds him that they were on the far end of Federation space, and just reaching Starfleet took days. It would be weeks before any help arrived. Kirk counters that the Romulans didn't know that before asking to borrow a shuttle. The whole, like, the, the Spock thing is really great. The, the whole, like, yeah. oh, I don't drink coffee. Like, oh, oh yeah. Tea? And he's like, no, I don't want any tea either, Captain Thanks. And it's like, <laughs> like, it's like, oh, you're so fun. I, this is the Spock I remember. Like, yeah, don't ever change, Spock. I, I sure hope nothing <laughs> bad happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sure yeah, we don't yeah, get yeah, horribly yeah. maimed from an explosion <laughs> in the future. But then when he, when Kirk comes in and Spock leaves and he does, it was, it was so funny to me. He's like, Captain, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then Kirk comes up with that like quick plan, which is kind of kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah, you yeah. see that like Kirk would have just gone and blown up that ship, yeah, and been done with it because they're not tech- they're not even in Romulan space, right? They're in like the neutral zone. I I I think they're I think they're either right on the edge of Federation space or they're in the neutral zone. Yeah. So that's the point, right? Is like that wouldn't be an act of war. They're in neutral yeah. space, or the you know the Romulans are in their their side, right? So blowing their ship up is it's not. I think they're war. I think they're in I think they're on the side of the Federation, and they're soon to cross the neutral zone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not like they went into Romulan space and blew up the ship. It's it's like exactly it's, your ship is on our side of the border, and you already blew up three of our space stations. Like that's I mean you're the ones engaging, starting a war. Right. We're defending ourselves, and that's how, like, you're going to take it. And if you don't, I can see yep. you. At, we'll see you at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the I whole, do all the my whole killing time. before breakfast. <laughs> breakfast, yeah. <laughs> I think the whole, I think the whole uh, thing is, like, you know, they do this, and then it's like, do you have, do you have to necessarily always retaliate with, with violence because uh, all it's going to lead to is that okay. Well, now they're going to shoot back, and then they're going to. And it's like that's why Pike is like, we got to yeah. talk to them. But then you then you wonder like, well, what 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 would happen if somebody like Kirk was at the helm? Well, that's the thing is like that's very human thinking, right? It's like if we shoot, then they're going to shoot back, then we're going to shoot back, then they're going to shoot. It's just going to be this endless thing. But right. with the type of people that like the Romulans are, it's like, if you show that you have a bigger weapon, a bigger gun, right. Like there, it'll be another hundred years before they try to do something. Sure. And then again, like you just show them you have a bigger stick. Right. And then, right. You have to just keep showing that like, they want to know that like, you're not going to let stuff stand. Right. If you let them walk all over you, they're going to walk all over you. Exactly. I like that. Kind of cool. It's like a different way of thinking about it. Yeah, it's a different. It's, a, it's nice that they're not just like another. They're not just more bad guys who just like to blow things up. Like they're calculated. They're they're like a different yeah. type of bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Spock is in a Jeffrey's tube working on the ship's phaser array before calling out to give it a try. Now, 
an engineer with a Scottish accent confirms <laughs> that that uh, confirms that was the circuit the auto repair was having trouble with, calling it very fused. Spock reminds him that they had less than two hours to repair the phasers. I'm an engineer, not a miracle worker, Mr. Spock. The engineer protests. Yeah, so here it is. I was your guy? Yeah, I thought so, yeah. My favorite cameo. <laughs> Scotty Tuhati. An arm. <laughs> right. I it was just funny because I do it, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I, I I I'm sure they didn't want to detract too much from things like to have Kirk cameo and then also have like Scotty cameo and like all this yeah. stuff. So it's super cool. I I actually forgot it was even in the in the show. All of a sudden he would talk to him. I was like, oh wow, yeah, that's right. I was like, because <laughs> it's such a like three sentences and then they're, they're back to the you know like they move on type of thing yes yeah yeah it was just cool because like he's he, you know like he was you know he was on he was still on Kirk's ship and right. came over with everybody yeah so is Dr. McCoy on this ship I don't think so because Dr. Mbengo was, was talking right yeah, Dr. Mbenga was kind of taking over. As they reach the two-hour mark, Pike asks for an update. Mitchell reports engines online, but weapons were still down. Spock reports only that they were working on it. Uhura calls the two-hour mark, and a tense silence takes hold on the bridge for a moment before Pike orders a channel open to the Romulan ship. He asks the Romulan commander if his crew has finished repairs. The commander answers by asking if Pike's crew has finished theirs. Conventional wisdom would call for them to resume hostilities, remembering how the commander had said doing anything else was a sign of weakness. However, there was one thing at which humans were not weak, their willingness to see a partner rather than an enemy, which they considered an act of faith and strength, not failure of character. He asks if the Romulans had that kind of strength. The commander admits that he too tired of endless war which leads to a feeling of relief on the bridge. That feeling is soon broken by the arrival of multiple signals from the Romulan side of the neutral zone. Dozens of Romulan warships coming out of warp. In that moment, right? Yeah. I literally thought I literally thought that captain was like, yeah. Yeah, I tire of endless wars too. Oh, well. Send him the ship. Like, I wasn't expecting the reveal of, like, oh, he still is, like, not wanting to do it. Like, I thought yeah. it was just, like, him, like, being like, yeah, it gets boring. Oh, well, let's just end it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you think that? Or yeah, no? yeah, yeah. First thing? Um, or is it a no, very Star, I... Star Trek-y thing to be like, yes, yes, let us change. A great philosopher once said... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's a little both. It's a little like they do it both ways where you think it's going to go peacefully and then it turns bad or that there's been like um, like what happens in the thing is that there's been like a, a betrayal, a sabotage. That well, happens sabotage frequently too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that does. Yeah. It seems like that does happen quite frequently. Yeah, it's an easy, it's an easy story beat. <laughs> 
Okay, the commander is unpleasantly surprised by the arrival of the Romulan Armada, having not called for them. Subcommander reveals he made them aware of their situation, again expressing his belief the Federation showed weakness and that it was the Romulan way to strike. Since his commander would not, he took matters into his own hand, hands. The commander chastises him for disobeying a direct order, but the subcommander counters that if he had not engaged in negotiation, he would not have to. Their mission had been to test the Federation's strength, and they showed that they lacked it, believing they should have destroyed the Enterprise the moment that became clear. The commander sees that the younger officer does not remember a time without war, but he does, asking who would win an endless war with the Federation. Subcommander is confident that the Romulan Empire would prevail, but the commander reminds him that an endless war, by definition, could not be won, lamenting that Pike would not trust his word now. The subcommander thinks that does not matter now, as Pike would soon be dead. The commander gestures <laughs> the security officers to take the subcommander off the bridge before turning back to the screen, a look of angry resignation on his face. He's like, Yeah, so what? Yeah, I don't care. Blow them up. It's like, what, what? You don't remember before there was wars. It's like, do you know who wins an endless war? It's like, yeah, oh, we do. The Romulans, obviously, you fool. It's like, no, you fool. An endless war is endless. <laughs> it never ends. It never ends, you fool. <laughs> not to mention, like, did that guy not think that... Um, that like if he called in backup, they were just gonna blow them up like they do anyway. Like, oh, you shouldn't have even been spotted. Mm. Well, you're doomed. Yeah, if only they had known they were recorded. What a fool! <laughs> How could you not All think right. you were recorded? Yeah, well, well, they're they're prideful. <laughs> <laughs> Aboard Enterprise, of her reports the Praetor's flagship is hailing them. The female Romulan, who appears on screen, brusquely informs Pike that she was there to accept his unconditional surrender. Nice to meet you, too, Pike replies before identifying himself and asking who he was addressing. She identifies herself as the Praetor, the political leader of the Romulan Empire, and adds it was customary to kneel. Pike replies that as he was not Romulan, he hopes she will forgive him if he doesn't, then expresses <laughs> confusion. The Enterprise was still on the Federation side of the neutral zone, as the Romulan fleet was still on theirs, and yet she demanded his surrender. The Praetor replies that the Enterprise is surrounded, and that they had one minute to surrender or be destroyed. You know, I don't like her, Pike sums up after the channel closes. Mitchell then reports a perimeter alert, dozens of ships incoming, Federation signatures. Captain Kirk hails from the lead ship, offering the reinforcements Pike requested. It had been a hundred years since anyone had seen the Romulans, and since they didn't know what the Romulan ships looked like, he thought the Romulans might not know what theirs looked like either. He has assembled a fleet of automated mining craft and haulers, not one of them manned, but perhaps the Romulans might consider them a, a Federation armada. Pike compliments Kirk for his ingenuity. Kirk hopes it's enough to bluff with and that Pike doesn't get them into a real fight. Pike promises to do his best before asking Spock for an update. Spock reports that they were making progress, 
but the conduits were badly damaged. Pike urges him to work faster. They would need the phasers soon, or they would not need them at all. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. Dirk showing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of like Guardians of the Galaxy for some reason, like the uh, <laughs> oh yeah, showing okay. up in like mining, like mining gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's yeah, very yeah. much like the first Guardians movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is kind of a thing that they like to do with these new Star Trek show finales. Is like a whole host of like nine thousand ships on the screen, and you're like, oh wow, and they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> No, and then it's That's like a, an absolute insanity laser fight. It's like the next thing to follow, which still happens. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's always it's how these shows, like almost always, end all these new shows. It's kind of funny. Well, it's a little different than how like they used to end. Yeah, usually it was just like, what? So and so is captured or dead. That's weird. And then that, and the episode uh, ended. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. The sixties, the sixties one just was like, cool. That was an episode. See you later. Like it just could have got canceled. Yeah. So it just is like, yeah, right. <laughs> and that's why we all learned never to drink milk <laughs> when it's expired. Star Trek teaches me so many things. <laughs> uh, it's interesting too that like she shows up and she's immediately like, yeah. So I'm here for your surrender. And Pike's like, for what? Because <laughs> last I checked, yeah. I'm on my side of space and you're on your side of space. Yeah. So maybe just stay on your side of space. Yeah. Also, I'm not gonna kneel. <laughs> I did like that. That was pretty that was pretty good. He's yeah. like, Yeah, so uh, I'm not a Romulan, so you'll have to forgive me for not going along with that part <laughs> of your culture. <laughs> Also, I don't accept the, uh, I'm not going to surrender. So, <laughs> right, right, right. This might get really awkward. <laughs> the Praetor hails again, and Pike has a hurra keep a secure line open to Kirk so he can listen in. He asks Kirk if he was ready to sell the, their deception. Ready as I'll ever be, the young captain replies. Pike orders the channel open, revealing his armada of Delta class attack ships and hopes he will not have to use them. The Praetor calls it an act of unparalleled aggression on the border of their territory. But Pike calls it a standard training maneuver along the border, just like what the Romulans were doing. What was an act of unparalleled aggression, however, was the attack on on their outposts along the neutral zone. The Praetor falsely claims ignorance. But Pike transmits the sensor record from Outpost 4 just prior to its destruction. The Praetor smugly observes this before wordlessly issuing an order. A Romulan ship decloaks and breaks formation, the bird of prey the Enterprise had been chasing. The Praetor calls it a culling, saying the commander should not have let himself be caught. Pike orders the channel to the Praetor pause before hailing the bird of prey. The commander is pleased to speak to Pike again, assuring him he did not call for the fleet. Pike offers to beam his crew aboard, but the commander replies that it was not their way. He regrets that he met Pike in this way. You and I are of a kind, he says. In a different reality, I could have called you a friend. Pike asks what purpose 
it would serve to die in this way. And the commander answers that he and Pike were creatures of duty. Just one more duty to perform, he says. He tells Pike not to be upset as he has accepted his fate, but hopes his sacrifice will end the conflict between them. Returning to his station, the commander and his bridge crew brace themselves as the Romulan Armada opens fire, destroying the bird of prey. It's funny, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's their culture, so obviously they're going to like go along with it, but like, why would you just let them blow you up like that? Yeah, because he's a good officer. Because he does what he's told. <laughs> Ortega. <laughs> <laughs> looking at you. Looking right at you. Looking at you, stupid face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking too, it's like that might be, that must be like the one guy mm-hmm. that's like open for like negotiation. And yeah. this is like, you know, Pike basically got him killed by like sending the, the footage over. Yes. Yeah. That yep. is bad. It's definitely, definitely uh, an interesting kind of revelation that, like, perhaps not everyone in the in the Romulan Empire is like gung ho for battle. Yep. The Praetor hails again, saying that the fleet was stronger now and she was ready to accept Pike's surrender. Pike asked if that was how she wished to end a hundred years of peace, but she scoffs asking what peace meant to our Romulan before thanking Pike for showing just what easy targets the Federation would be. The Romulan fleet begins opening opening fire and Pike orders evasive maneuvers before calling Kirk to return to the ship as they were preparing to warp out. However, Ortegas reports warp en- engines are not responding. The drone fleet suddenly moves to engage. Pike realizes Kirk is directing them forward and asks what he is doing. Covering your escape, Kirk replies, urging him to get to, to get the engines repaired. He has positioned the drones between the Romulans and the Enterprise. One of the Romulan ships fires a plasma torpedo, which obliterates a drone close to the Enterprise, throwing most of the bridge crew to the deck. As they gather themselves back to their stations, Mitchell reports Kirk has beamed aboard, and Ortegas adds that engines are ready. Hit it. Pike orders, and the Enterprise jumps to warp just as a plasma torpedo narrowly misses them. Damage reports come in from all decks, but the worst is yet to come. Ahura is monitoring a Romulan transmission on all subspace channels. They have declared war on the Federation. Mitchell reports that decks 5, 11, 12, and 22 all reported breaches, and weapons control took a direct hit. Pike realizes Spock was in the weapons control and heads into the turbo lift to sickbay. It's the thing where the, this happens and you're just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. there was no like, we'll meet again some other day, Pike. It's like, no, this is what's bad. This is the bad part. <laughs> and it only gets worse. It certainly does. Just keeps getting worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Here's where it gets worse. Pike enters sickbay to see the wounded being brought in. Among the dead is the young bride-to-be, her betrothed looking dumbstruck sitting next to her. And Benga sees him and nods grimly over towards another bed. Spock is grievously injured, his left leg torn off, his face hideously burned. 
Standing next to him is Nurse Chapel, visibly struggling to maintain her composure as she lists his injuries. Massive cerebral trauma, major blood loss, spinal fractions, radiation burns across 40% of his body. She wasn't sure he would recover from it, but if he did, he will not be the same. The horror of seeing what happened to Spock, knowing what fate had destined for him, affects Pike deeply. It's funny, I didn't even pick up on the fact that that was like the wedding couple from the beginning. Oh, yeah. You said it. I didn't, I didn't remember. I didn't even notice them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't because like, again, you know, you're not expecting them to be an important people. But for us, you know, for people who have seen the old episode watching this is like, oh, oh but. But yeah, for you, it's like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I guess it's those people from the beginning. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, no, I yeah. totally didn't even pick up on any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is, but, which, uh, yeah, is to be expected, to be honest. Well, good. <laughs> no, I mean, really, why would you, right? They're literally like in a one minute scene and the next thing, next time you see them is this. So it's like, yeah. if you weren't super it's paying like... attention or caring, like, okay. It just seemed to me like that's like the comedic, like throwing Pike into like this date in the future where he doesn't know these people that he's exactly. marrying. And yeah, 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 interesting. But man, Spock, uh, Spock took a beating <laughs> there, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not doing, it's uh, not doing too good. Yeah, when they cut, when they cut over, and you're like, oh, is that his leg? And then you're it's like, and they keep panning. You're like. Oh, oh, was that his face? <laughs> yeah. What's all that green stuff? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's his blood and guts. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, those right. are supposed to be on the inside. Oh, that's not where that goes. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, how weird. And this is where we meet the most forgettable character of the episode. Oh. <gasps> Okay, and then I will. It's not move it's on. Not the bride and it's not the bride and groom because that's just rude. That's Spock. I remember I them. Spock. <laughs> it's his leg. <laughs> yeah. Looking out from his cabin, a drink in his hand, Pike considers what he has seen. As his future self speaks up, he knows that he knows what the captain is thinking as he had thought the same thing, that he traded his fate for Spock's. Admiral Pike warns that it gets worse. The war with the Romulans was still ongoing in the timeline he comes from, with millions dead. Not only did Pike start something that should never have been started, but the one chance for lasting peace between the Federation and the Romulans in any timeline was lying in a bio bed. Everyone liked to think their future is important, and for Pike, it is just not the way he thinks. Time was complicated, but the timekeepers have shown Admiral Pike something simple. Every time Pike tries to change his path, Spock dies. And he had things to do, fate of the galaxy type things. So the Admiral admits that paths diverge, but he was the result of a path that should never have been taken. Captain Pike thanks him, and the Admiral jokingly asks how often people got to give their lives for someone twice in one day as admiral pike opens the box with a time crystal the door chimes he chuckles having remembered something 
Captain Pike summons his visitor, Captain Kirk, who asks if he was interrupting something. When Captain Pike turns back, Admiral Pike is gone. He replies that he was talking to himself and offers Kirk a drink. As he pours the drinks, Pike thinks it's strange, but he feels that he was meant to meet Kirk. Kirk admits to feeling the same thing. He had come down to check on Pike, feeling that he had tried for something better. Try lost, Pike admits, as they clink glasses. Kirk asks if the thought had ever occurred to him that some fights could not be avoided if he had chased down and destroyed the bird of prey. The war could have been prevented. You're a good captain, Jim Kirk, Pike says, adding that the Enterprise would be glad to have him, but laughingly denies when Kirk asks if he was retiring. He asks about the young captain, about where he was from. Kirk replies that he grew up in Iowa and his father, George, was first officer on the USS Calvin. After Kirk leaves, Pike picks up the time crystal and touches it again, returning to the moment he began writing the letter to Ma, then asks the computer to delete the file. Okay, that's where we'll pause. So yeah, pretty pretty cool that like how it all like it's comes cool. together. It's cool that it ends the same day after that is like um Admiral Kirk is like just in his room still. Like he kind of had been there the whole time, you know? Right. Right. Like waiting for him. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty, it's pretty. I, the thing I like um, is obviously the Admiral Pike like explaining everything to him, like what happens. Yeah. And that was the thing I was going to say too earlier was that like it really puts a lot of like cool pressure on Spock and it changes the whole dynamic of like. Pike now is going to go forward with what happens to him because for Spock. Yeah. Which is like a pretty radical, pretty radical thought. Yeah. And also shows like the importance of Spock in all timelines that like he is kind of like what they need. Yeah. Stop the Romulans, you know. That's, that's the. That's the drawing that you have to have to have now is like yeah. a bruised and battered Admiral Pike going like this. And then <laughs> yeah. it cuts to Captain Pike and he's looking and he realizes this is it. This is this is the one in 14 oh. million. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it was like, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. You know what I thought was so, a cool like prop thing to make too is like that little case that opens and you oh, have like the little, the the little crystal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. It's kind of like it's kind of like that weird. Uh, it's kind of like that thing that I think you made for us on the little chimney thing, the the thing from Skyrim. It's like the same thing. It's oh. like the case with the crystal in it. Yeah. Soul crystals. Yeah. So the thing, the two things I, 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 I one thing I forgot to say earlier. Did you did you like uh, the commander of the outposts different delta? Like oh it yeah, like, it was cool, right? It was like elongated, yeah, and had like the little tiny like logo in in the center. Had like different markings on it. Yeah. So the yeah, cool thing really is, cool. is in in the original series, like different ships have their delta their things on their thing are different. Hmm. So the Enterprise is this. This is what. Kirk's Enterprise has, 
and then oh. like other ships have like different designs. That's weird. They still have they still have like the interior markings, like to show that this is like yeah. command, but like the the layout of the delta or what it is is, is different. Interesting, but they're all kind of yeah. still like delta shape. Some of them, most of them are, but some of them aren't. They're like some of them are weird looking. That's weird because I just I I was under something like the Delta logo was like the actual like Federation like main logo that they would all use. It definitely ends up being like the main look of everything, but back in the sixties, it was just like they're just different costume. Like hmm. that's how you differentiate that this guy in the yellow shirt isn't from the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I even remember in Enterprise when uh, Tucker goes over to the Columbia. Yeah, still has the like same them. suit, but the patch yeah. is obviously is the Columbia patch. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. And so the other really big thing that happens in this scene is that when he when Pike talks to Kirk and he says, "Hey, where did you where did you grow up? Like, where are you from?" and Kirk says, "I grew up in Iowa, and my father was was the first officer on the USS Calvin." And he and he starts to say like, and he went on to do, and then like the cuts him off. That line confirms that this show doesn't. He's not Chris Pine Kirk, because, which is what a lot of people were like. Well, how do you know it's not in the old timeline, which they call as the Kelvin timeline? So mm-hmm. in the first movie, the two thousand nine Chris Pine movie the Romulan ship comes out of the time portal and that's what's there is the USS Kelvin and it opens fire on him and George Kirk and his wife are on the ship and she gives birth to Kirk like on the shuttle. Oh. So it like changes Kirk's like entire thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. So they're like very blatantly saying like this is not yeah, part of like, the This is not the J.J. Abrams stuff. This is like original, original series Kirk. Like this isn't some other weird cool. Kirk. Yeah, I like this scene too because it's really, um, it's really Pike getting to know Kirk and why, like Kirk is going to be a great replacement for him. Yes, it's yes. it's like a job interview, right? So like, so yes. like now Pike goes into the past and he knows like. He accepts exactly thing, and he's saying like yeah. it's going to be fine because Kirk is going to be a great captain of the Enterprise, and he's going to like save us from the Romulans, and that's cool. So, like that stuff is really cool to me. So now it like gives, which we're going to get into. It gives um, Pike yeah, like be okay. He feels okay to let to let go, right? Which is what yeah. we're going to get into right here, like. That's the music thing was weird, but when you think about what he's doing, it like it makes sense. So, yeah, that's I'll jump into it so we can talk about it. Yeah. So in the conference room, Pike is reviewing Jim Kirk's file to see what who he was in his present time. Kirk is presently a lieutenant assigned to the Farragut, and his commendations are extensive for one of for one of his age and relatively short service. There is also a mention of being a witness to the massacre of Tarsus IV. The door chimes, heralding Spock. 
Remembering what he saw in the time crystal vision, Pike expresses how glad he is to see Spock, even though to Spock, he had only seen him moments ago. Spock reminds him of how he suddenly left the briefing and his reaction to hearing Ma'at's name, wondering if it pertained to Pike's knowledge of his future. Pike replies only that the universe showed him that some fates were inescapable, and even if he could not get out of his, it might just fall to someone else, someone he knew. Spock now sees why Pike was so glad to see him. Spock believes he owes Pike a debt of gratitude, although for precisely what, he did not know. Pike expresses how important Spock is to him, a feeling Spock reciprocates, calling him Chris for the first time. Smiling to himself, Pike returns to the bridge, taking the con back from Una and looking around his ship, seeing the familiar people in, in the familiar places. As he settles back into his chair, Uhura receives a priority message from Starfleet Command. Captain Patel is beaming aboard, and they wanted both Pike and Una to meet her in the transporter room. Una is apprehensive, suspecting what is coming. So he, look, he looks at the thing. It's nice. He has the thing. He has that nice little thing with Spock where it's like he kind of indicates to Spock like, I'm going to stuff. Bad stuff's going to happen to me so that you're OK. Yeah, right. Right. I really like how Pac, uh, Spock picks up on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's like, uh, Captain, I just saw you like moments ago. And then he kind of like realizes like, oh, something must have happened. Yeah. It's almost kind of becomes like this joke line, right? Where it's like, <laughs> Pike freaks out and Spock's <laughs> like, time crystal stuff. And he's like, time crystal stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really like how he's like, you know, like, you know, something bad really happens, like, to somebody that I really care about, and, and then yeah. Kirk is basically like, I really like, like, Spock, I really like you. He's <laughs> like, yeah. oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Something bad happens to me. But that last part where he's walking around the bridge and he, like, looks at everybody and he's, like, nodding and he's smiling and stuff, and that music is yeah. playing, it's like, I, at first, when I first saw it, I thought he was just like happy to be back. But now watching it the second time, it's clearly with the music, listening to the lyrics and looking at him. It's clearly that he's making the decision. He's like, it's, he has accepted what's going to happen to him. Yeah. And he's walking around and he's looking at everybody and he's committing their names and their places and their things to memory. Because because of what's going to happen like he's making the best of each moment now like going forward because yep. he know because he's accepted what is going to happen yeah 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 i picked up on that too that's he's just gonna live every day yeah like happy that he's on the ship and exactly <laughs> so pike greets patel in the transporter room having not expected to see her so soon Patel is all business, but for the record, she apologizes for what she is about to do. The two security officers who beamed aboard with her moved to take Una into custody. Patel informs Pike that under Starfleet Code of Conduct 587.63, Una is being placed under arrest for violation of the Federation's ban on genetic modifications. She is now known to Starfleet to be an Illyrian. Pike protests, saying that he didn't care what she was. She was his first officer. 
He subdues one of the security guards before Una stops him, saying that she had known this might happen for years now. Patel assures Pike that she did not ask for this, and she truly was sorry. So am I, Pike replies before they beam off the ship, because this isn't over. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, when he, when he grabs that security guy's arm and like twists yeah. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Ooh. that's pretty good. Yeah, he not isn't. Too, he wasn't. He wasn't messing around, was he? Christopher's not too happy. <laughs> it's interesting to see where it goes, like going forward, right? Yeah, I'm very, okay. very interested. So obviously, this is will be where we will like end you know like reviewing like like a weekly thing and you'll pick up watching it when you get the chance which is good that you basically get to watch this and then like immediately move on to the season two you know which is nice you don't have to wait like a full year like the rest of us had though yeah um but yeah it'll be yeah i'm excited to watch it and uh, see what happens with the crew yeah. I don't uh, know how they figured out anything about uh, Uno, so that's interesting. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a that's a really good thing to bring up because it's like, how did that happen? I think it's like <laughs> just another way to get her like off the bridge because she's not part mm. of the original cast. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But you, it's funny, you have been talking about like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if like this cast just went on and, and went like forward and played like the original series people yep and i was like after this episode specifically i was like yeah, yeah that would be that would be sweet yeah. i tried not to let it out of the bag that kirk is like casted and in, in the show type of thing yeah so but yeah that would be like super cool it would be i would like it a lot so let's move on to Caleb. 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 Caleb, what? Who gets the Elizabeth Cutler Award for being most forgettable? Chapel. <laughs> okay. I thought maybe when you said it, yeah. 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 You forgot she was in the episode. <laughs> yep. Well, then she just shows up because it's like they have to remind us that she likes Spock. Mm -hmm. She's like, yep. look at remember look her? It. She He's loves dead. Spock. He's dead. <laughs> He's never going to be the same. Yeah. You think she'd be happy, though? would be like, oh, he might actually like me now, not his wife. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> 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 Who gets a Trip Tucker Award as being the MVP. Admiral Pike. Ooh. Yeah. Nice one. Nice one. Yeah. Nice Thank one. you. Thank you. He has to like, like time travel and like tell himself that like, hey, so like um, my face isn't yeah. like destroyed in the future, but also like it's not a good thing. Like I'd rather have my face be destroyed. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, work right. out well. Yeah. <laughs> I wish Spock was still alive. What gets the Strain Award as 
being the best action sequence. I really like when the Enterprise and Herc's um, ship take on the Romulan ship for the first time. Mm. And they do like the maneuvers okay. and stuff. Thought that was pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That was a really good, like, tense, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you, they were going to, you know, they basically got, like, found out and outwitted. And the ship gets blown up. So now, like, everybody's on the Enterprise. Exactly, yeah. What gets the NX award as being some sweet ship stuff? I kind of like that end battle where, like, all the mining ships are there and they're actually, like, like shooting and blowing stuff up. It was pretty entertaining. Yeah. Okay, what gets the Porthos Award as being the cheesiest? Probably the, um, the sub-commander on the uh, mm -hmm. Bird of Prey. Just, like, how he was, like, so ready to like go yeah yeah. when yeah. he had to like explain to him like what endless war was that was pretty like i thought that was pretty cheesy <laughs> like, no it was endless you fool no one wins an endless war it's endless that was pretty cheesy yeah. I know what you mean. yeah 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 so i like that i like that that's my answer so lastly what gets the enterprise award as being the best scene of the episode I like Pike and Kirk having a drink on the couch and like talking. Mm -hmm. That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. It's kind of like yeah. uh, both worlds meet each other, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like something Absolutely. that shouldn't be happening and doesn't happen again, like that happened in the timeline. But like, right, right. I, I like too when he goes when he goes back into the past and he looks up Kirk on the computer and it's like mm -hmm. a younger version of that actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up what Caleb thought. So write in the comments below what you thought of this season finale of season one of Strange New Worlds. We'd like to hear your thoughts about it. Did you like what it hearkened to without spoiling too much or anything like that? Let us know. Yeah. And so... What we're going to talk about right here briefly is next week we'll have a hiatus. There won't be another week. Uh, next week we won't have an episode. So two weeks from now from this episode, we will come back with a new episode. But this time, instead of jumping into season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, we're going to jump into uh, episode three of the original series entitled Where No Man Has Gone Before. Now, when we jump to the original series, we're going to watch them out of air date order because we're doing this chronologically and that Star Trek series is a little more able to be jumbled around and stuff like that because they're episodic and it doesn't really follow the same pacing as the show does. So we can move these episodes around better because uh, we're going to go by production. So basically, the order in which they film them, which makes more sense when you watch them rather than it's like the terrible thing that they do is modern television is like they film stuff and then they're like, eh, this episode would do better tonight. So we're going to play that episode. And that's kind of what they did back in the 60s. So, yeah, I never understood why they do that. So we're going to watch it in production order rather than um, on screen order. So 
As always, if you liked what you liked, like the video. If you disliked what you saw, dislike the video. Uh, subscribe so that you catch all our episodes and ring the bell for notifications so that you don't miss when we return. Also, we'll have before we have the next uh, the next review, we're going to do like a season one recap with Caleb and ask him what he thought like overall for this season. We won't do that today. We'll just do that next time. Good. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you for the original series. We'll get into that two weeks from now. We look forward to it. Sweet. So, as always, thanks for watching. In the meantime, you can jump over to Caleb's channel, give him a watch, give him a like, give him a subscribe. He's got content over there. We got things like this podcast, but he's also his main thing is building things, and he's got a lot of cool stuff over there. So I got content up the wazoo. That's right, he does. He does. And a lot of like More free. I give a lot of like free templates and stuff on my Facebook page for stuff that I build too. Just uh, I know a lot of people like charge for stuff, and you know there's nothing wrong with that. It's a lot of work that goes into it, but uh, yeah, I like uh, helping people out if I can, and seeing people make stuff with my templates has been a really cool experience for me. Absolutely, keep it up, keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that's been the Retrek Review. We'll see you in two weeks. And until then, computer and program. See you guys. Check for any messages. Oh, yes, there is a message here. Uh, let's see. From the captain to all crew, please do the Outro of the oh okay, yes. Take time on my busy doctor schedule here to record a couple things. Oh, hello. Dr. Stephen House, Chief Medical Officer aboard the USS Drake. Just wanted to record a few reminders for you guys. So here we go. The Retrek Review is a Daystrom Holodeck podcast. It's produced in association with the Plastic Underground props, hosted by Caleb Stoddard and Will Wilbur, edited by Will Wilburn. Our outro song is by Kaylee Joy Rookledge. Our theme song is by Samo Studios. And our outro song is by Tommy T. The title card art was created by Caleb Stoddard. Trophy art was created by Adrian Wilbur from Love by the Letters. The synopsis and written plot provided by memoryalpha.fandom.com Star Trek is created by Gene Roddenberry and all official clips and pictures are owned by Paramount Pictures you can follow us at the Plastic Underground Props and the Daystrom Holodeck on Instagram and YouTube so that is it that is all I had to say and uh, uh what was that don't touch that mm -hmm. So then um, Emperor Palpatine is, like, being suspended from, like, giant. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Will watching this later. <laughs>